prepare to step into a world where imagination knows no bounds as we present legends, loot, and lore. Join host, DM, and self-confessed dice goblin Andrew, who will guide you every step of the way into the realm of Dungeons and Dragons. From actual gameplay and cooking up delicious D&D foods to interviews with other D&D fans and newbies, this podcast is your gateway to becoming the hero of your own story. Whether you're a new adventurer or a seasoned traveler seeking new insights, Legends, Loot, and Lore has something for everyone. After the episode, visit our website at www.legendslootandlore.com for even more resources and exclusive content. And if you're as passionate about this adventure as we are, help support our quest at legendslootandlore.supercast.com. Embark on this odyssey with us and let the echoes of ancient tales guide you toward a destiny filled with limitless possibilities. Roll for initiative, because your adventure begins now. Hoist your tankards high and polish your dice, because it's time to unleash another electrifying episode of Legends, Loot, and Lore. We are your dynamic duo of dice rolling themselves, Andrew, that's me, and Joe. That's me. Ahoy, adventurers and aficionados of all things fantasy. In this rollicking installment, we're embarking on a quest as epic as a dragon's wingspan, diving headfirst into the captivating realm of Dungeons and Dragons. Our target? Unveiling the heart and soul of character creation, the first six iconic classes that are as essential to roleplaying as a trusty plus-one sword. From bellowing barbarians who rage so hard they give even the stoutest stone giant a run for its rocks, to bards whose harmonious melodies are more entrancing than a siren serenade, we're peeling back the pages of character creation to reveal the hidden treasure of wit and whimsy. Prepare for more laughs than a halfling at an all-you-can-eat buffet as we delve into the realms of roleplay and roll with the punches. So grab your dice bags, roll for initiative, because Legends, Loot, and Lore is about to take you on an epic adventure. So let's dive. Well, first, Joe, before we even get into that, oh yes, we should, we always we always talk about our our current campaign that's going on. So when last we talked, we were just trying to convince all of the 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 council of, of various groups to to help join us on the on the the battle to de- defeat the dragons who were being uh, called together, and and now we've been sent on our first quest. So so what is what what was the purpose of that question and what were we what were we doing? So yes, the Dracorn had been blown and the council was lacking in information on what the Dracorn was and how it worked since it hadn't been done for at least a millennia. So they had reached out to the Arcane Brotherhood who had an expert in the Dracorn it was an expert actually in dragons in general. However, they had not heard from this expert in three years and she had disappeared in the sea of moving ice in order to, for all intents and purposes, interview a dragon up there. 
So they asked you to go and the council asked you to go and find her and find out the information on the Drakhorn. So you guys left off last time on a ship that was just entering the Sea of Moving Ice. Yes, and, and I'm trying to remember the the ice skimmer? Uh, frost skimmer. The frost skimmer was, yep. was the name of the boat, yes. A we hardy were, ship. I'm I'm sure it was. And yes, we were we were on our on our adventure to find Macath, the uh, the tiefling sorcerer. That's correct, sorceress. Sorry, sorceress. <laughs> Forgive me. You're forgiven. Um, so yeah, so we were we were on this adventure. So we we were sailing through the sea of moving ice and encountered several we we encountered giant what giant octopi yep um marrow is is that what they were that is correct and and oh and some polar bears some polar bears uh one of them which was attacking an ice uh an ice warrior who you saved from the polar bear and uh gave you he gave you some basic information uh that made your search somewhat slightly easier that's right and then so so we were still sailing on uh trying to trying to find this iceberg that that was it was mainly a a, a plateau but it had column columns of sp- spires, spires spires of ice surrounding this this iceberg and that that's Almost what we like were in it search was made for. that way specifically in the defensive measure uh, gee, I, I I wonder if that's I wonder if they were thinking about that. So you guys actually found it a few days after helping yes. out the uh, ice warrior, and um, as your party advanced onto the iceberg, uh, not only did you what you later learned run into the frozen figures of Macath's party from three years previous, uh, you you encountered a village of these ice people, and um, they attempted to poison you after they lost their honorable single combat against you. However, the shaman of the village was uh, secretly terrified of the dragon who had been keeping this village in uh, terror and uh, under his control for years. And she was afraid that he was going to eventually wipe out the entire village. So she let you in. That's pretty dramatic. It was actually. Um, And it never would have happened. You would never would have found out about it if it wasn't for the Toma, the uh, half orc saying that they were there on a spirit uh, in response to a spirit vision. And he was talking about uh, the last message that Macath had sent three years previously. Mm-hmm. But in the way that he said spirit vision, it uh, clued in her who had been praying to her spirits to try to have somebody come and rescue them. If he hadn't worded it just that way, that never would have happened. Interesting. So thank thank God for Toma, who... <laughs> If I recall correctly, it doesn't doesn't rank too high on intelligence, but but he but he he had a he had a spark of brilliance. It just happened to be that he worded it that way, and I, I forgot to mention that to Bill when we were playing. That the fact that she decided to help them was because he worded it that way. 
Well, thank thank God for that. So yeah. so we're we're now at the point we are we we found out that there is a dragon on this iceberg or who makes makes its home on this iceberg. Yes. Somewhere somewhere deep in the underbelly of the iceberg. So the the dragon is there and supposedly Macath the tiefling sorceress is some somehow went down with the dragon into its lair. We we don't know if Macath is is alive at this point or not, but we are we have now just kind of begun entering the the cavern of of the the dragon the dragon of white death. If I right, wasn't that what it was? Yeah, the name the dragon was nicknamed Old White Death. Old White Death, and then we ended the session. Uh, actually, last night we ended uh-huh. the session. Right as you walked into a room full of kobolds who didn't notice you because you were stealthy enough, and your response was, there was 12 of them. I want to attack them. I'm going to use my action surge so I can try to hit three of them at once. And I said, and we're going to call it there because I don't feel like doing this combat this late at night. <laughs> I was ready to kill some things. He's going to kill a lot of things uh, next week. Oh, I can't wait. Thoradin is... Thoradin is primed for geared up for his first real combat out in the world. He's got bloodlust, and he's he's right. He's he's not afraid to wield that warhammer on on anything that comes in his way. So, yep, it will be very exciting when we join up next week to uh, continue the adventure. And kobolds are kind of my height, so being yeah, a, being yeah. a dwarf, so three, it's a three four it's, foot it's, max. It's a, it's a pretty even, a pretty even matchup height wise. So, and for those of you who know kobolds, and those of you who don't know kobolds, they only have about nine ten hit points. So, a eleven level eight, I believe you guys are at right now. Level eight, level eight um, dwarven fighter should have very little trouble whacking them at one hit a point a piece. I hope so. That that's my plan. I'm I'm hoping to take out three to four of them in my my first round tune in next week that's right all right so so that's that's our adventure in what is it not it's now rise of tiamat rise of tiamat which is part two of tyranny of dragons tyranny of dragons which is a two-part adventure two books excellent can't can't wait for next week should be a lot of fun yes Yes, with that, let's dive into, we've got so much to talk about with these classes. So we're going to go through the first six out of what are a total of 12 classes in the basic rules. So the first six are, and these are going in alphabetical order, so there's there's no real particular order to these, uh, Barbarian, Bard, Cleric, Druid, Fighter, and monk. Mm-hmm. Those those are the six that we're going to cover this episode. We're going to cover the other six: uh, the paladin, ranger, rogue, sorcerer, warlock, and wizard. That will be in the in an upcoming episode, and we'll we'll have a kind of a two parter here to to cover all the classes because it's really just too much to 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 kind of cover in in one session. So so Joe, let, let's start with barbarian. So what? How would how would you describe a bar, a barbarian? What what is the what 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 is their kind of background, so to speak? Well, typically a barbarian is more of a primitive uh, class. They don't have your sophistication other people would have. Um, 
by that basis, uh, certain people tend to put intelligence as a, a dump stat in these particular characters. No, uh, hang on, hang on. When you say dump stat, let's let's remember that, let's that, remember our audience here. So that's correct. So correct. when you when you talk about a dump stat, so remember there are six six abil- six stats six, six stats. Um, so when you when you assign when you roll the dice and and you get your points and you start assigning out points to each of these stats. Joe, what what is a dump stat out of out of those six? So a dump stat is the stat when you roll your six dice. Uh, sorry, you roll your six stats, and whatever stat turns out to be the lowest roll, that becomes your dump stat. You end up putting that roll into your dump stat, which is the stat that is least likely to be useful to your class or your character in general. For a barbarian. While you don't necessarily need to have a low intelligence, other stats are more important, like strength and constitution, for example. Oh, yeah, for sure. Intelligence is not necessarily a strong point of barbarians. That's not to say that a barbarian can't be intelligent, because there definitely are. Uh, But it does not always have them there. Right. So, so yeah. So, that's that's what a dumb stat is. So, so not... For for each each class between race and class, so each each class has certain stats that are just not as as key as, as other ones. So if you if you get a bad roll for one of your for one of your stats, you can always put it onto something like in this case for a barbarian intelligence because their um, their attack rolls, their you know your your HP, your AC, all those things are not dependent on intelligence. So so it really doesn't it's not as important as, as those other stats for, for a barbarian. When we talk about things like wizards, when intelligence is, is your spell casting ability, then intelligence is very important. But, but for a barbarian kind of their, their, their typical thing they're they, they're not going to be the most intelligent. So you don't have to worry about putting a lot of um, points into, into that particular stat. If you watch any of critical role, um, Grog is a barbarian and he, the, the, the guy who plays him plays him a little simple because he has low intelligence. That's a typical way of playing barbarians, but again, not that you have to. And there, there's a lot of interesting stuff with, I mean, what, what you can do. So when you, when you start selecting a, a class for your character, this is, this is really, this this starts to flesh out. So you you've got you've got race, you've got class, you also have backgrounds. So this is really where you start to build the backstory for for your character, kind of who who they are. So barbarians could be the town champion. You know, they could they could be the 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 the, the muscle in town that that helps protect the people. You know, they they could be a criminal. You know, there there's a lot of things that you can do with a with a barbarian and and play with those um, those different abilities. But but we'll talk about we're going to talk with each of these classes what what a what's called the quick build. So in the basic rules, uh, Wizards of the Coast kind of pr- provides a kind of quick way to to build one of these characters, telling you exactly what what key stats to what abilities to focus on and 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 how to kind of quickly build a character so so it's it'll be as as enjoyable as as possible so joe let's talk about let's talk about the quick build for for barbarian what what is so we we said strength is most important absolutely 
Because the barbarian tends to be a melee fighter, which is a fighter that gets in close uh, hand-to-hand combat, swords, axes, um, even some clubs every once in a while, depending on what uh, flourish you want to have. And as a creature coming in with that type of melee weapon, strength is almost always required for those to determine uh, how hard you hit, well, if you hit, and and how hard you hit. Well, because because typically you're adding your strength bonus to that to that attack. Both of those rolls, right? Exactly. So so that's why strength is most important. You really want to make sure you want to make sure you're at least probably above a fifteen. To to start off start off with at a at a level yeah. one character, um, you want you want to get a, as as close to twenty as possible. Uh, to that that will really uh, beef up your weapons and mm-hmm. and later on in different levels when you start getting a second attack and things like that, the bar, the barbarian becomes a a, a big heavy damage uh, wielder very very quickly. Yes, and the second thing that you tend to want to boost up is your constitution. Correct. The constitution you want to boost up because when you get into that close melee contact and start fighting, you are going to be the center of attention for many of your enemies, which means you're going to draw a lot of attacks, which means you need to be able to hang in with the combat and take a lot of damage. And they're not wearing necessarily, I mean, they're, they're big brutes, so they're not... They're not necessarily wearing a ton of armor. Correct. So you want to make sure they've got as much HP as possible. So that's why you really want to focus secondarily on that on that constitution score to help help beef up the the high HP. So when yeah, when they get in the, the midst of battle, they're they're able to take a able to take some hits before uh before they potentially go down. Absolutely. And the um limiting of your armor tends to help them in this case. Because uh, the, the the third one, if you have another high uh, ability score, is stat score, is to get into your decks. Uh, not only to help with your initiative bonus, meaning you can jump out early into that combat, but also the decks uh, will combine with your constitution and uh, increase your AC. Yeah, so you want to, you always want to, that, that, that's another great... A great point. You want to kind of balance, balance. You know, getting getting decent HP and getting um, getting high AC. So, so when when other when enemies are attacking you, the likelihood that they're going to connect with that attack will hopefully be uh, it'll hopefully be less likely that they will they'll make that attack. And let's talk about background really quickly. We're not going to get too deep into backgrounds on on these episodes, but. But the one that Wizards of the Coast recommends is the Outlander background, and that that's kind of what they that what they suggest for a a quick build for uh, for barbarians. Remember, the barbarians are uh, very much tribal cre- uh, people, so those who are found out not in the cities tend to live in tribes, and they tend to be hunters and trackers of some sort. So they, uh, they, they, they don't necessarily, uh, the outlander kind of fits that when you, when we get into that description, you'll see what an outlander is and it fits that motif. So there, there's, there's many other backgrounds to choose from, but that's kind of a, the, the most typical background chosen for, for a barbarian. Now, as far as, uh, hit points are concerned, you've got one D 12, 
which is which is what the hit dice is for. The hit die is for uh, barbarians. So as as you're as you're getting uh, hit points, you're going to use the d12 plus your Constitution modifier. That's correct. Yes. When we get into our character creation episode, <clears throat> you'll see exactly how that works when we start showing how leveling up goes through. And let's let's talk about some of the other class features, proficiencies, light armor, medium armor, and shields. So again, it's not not heavy duty armor that they're they're proficient in. It, it, it's it's lighter because they're 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 not really wearing a lot of armor. They're correct. They're 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 wielding that weapon, and and their proficiencies are in simple and martial weapons. Yeah, you're thinking that they're wearing animal cloths, maybe some basic leather here. These guys don't have the capability out in their uh, in their tribes to make most metal armor. And some of the equipment that they can start with. So you start with certain certain amount of equipment, um, either a great axe or or any martial melee weapon, which can be a sword. It can be. Uh, an EP, which is of course the type of sword. I mean, there are numerous little, there's clubs, there's uh, picks, hand axes, yeah, hand axes. There's multiple types of axes. I mean, there's, there's, there's a whole list of them. And, yes. and as, as a barbarian, you have the opportunity to come across most of them. And let's talk about one, one nice feature that, that barbarians get. And that <laughs> is, that is what is called rage. So, so barbarians have a rage feature. So, it, what it, what it says is, you know, in battle, again, they are they are fierce, ferocious fighters. So, on on their turn, they can use a bonus action to enter this rage. And when they are raging, they get they get several benefits, uh, provided they aren't wearing heavy armor. And Joe, what are those benefits that they get when they are raging? So the uh the, the first one is you have advantage on any strength checks or saving throws. So if there's some, if you want to do something and you want to lift something, or if you're trying to resist somebody pushing you, uh, you get advantage on those D20 roll checks. Advantage is you get to roll the dice, the D20 twice, and you get to take the higher, uh, the higher die roll between the two of them. Um, when you use another advantage is when you use a melee weapon like your battle axe to uh, to attack, and you're using the strength modifier, you gain a bonus to your damage roll, which is based upon a rage chart, which is in the instructions. Starts out at plus two additional hit points whenever you're raging, and that builds uh, every five or six levels. I can't remember off the top of my head. And the final uh, advantage is. And resistance to bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage. And this is huge, Andrew, because as a character who's going to run up into melee combat, 90% of the damage you're going to take is actually from other creatures swinging melee weapons, whether clubs, war hammers, axes, swords, bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage. That also includes arrows. Arrows are piercing weapons. Mm -hmm. Uh, you get resistance, which means you take whatever that damage is and you cut it in half and you you keep going. This fits into the warrior motif. This fits into the the uh, lacking of, of heavy armor. Uh, I've always thought of this as kind of like an adrenaline rush on steroids, if you will. Now I'm 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 looking at the the notes here in in 
the beginners in in the basic rules. Now it says your rage lasts for one minute. It ends early if you are knocked unconscious or if your turn ends and you haven't attacked a hostile creature since your last turn or taken damage since then. Yep. So what does what does that mean? What is or or taken damage? So so the idea being that in order to maintain your rage, you have to be active. So that's why you have to attack something. But you can also imagine that it would be pretty easy to stay pissed off and raged if somebody were kept hitting you. So if you keep taking damage, it doesn't matter. Your rage is maintained. If you don't hit something and you don't take damage, you think about it of uh, six to 12 seconds, depending mm-hmm. where you have a chance to kind of get your breath and cool down. And all of a sudden, well, there goes that, that, that adrenaline will start to ebb. You st- you stop being Hulk smash. and <laughs> Bruce Banner starts coming back. Turn, exactly. You start turning back into Bruce Banner. Fascinating. Um, it was interesting. I, it, there's, there's so many things to, to talk about here. Um, we, we don't want to get too deep into this cause we've got, we've got so many classes to talk about. We will do standalone episodes about each individual class. So we'll dive deeper into, into a lot of the, the other details and, and kind of customizing the class for, for your specific, uh, character. But we, we will get into that deeper, but let's, let's move on to the bard. One of one of my, I I I love the Bard. Um, it, it's it's interesting. They are so. There's I think there's really three types of of class. You you really have your uh, your mar- your kind of your kind of weapon wielders. So you you've got people like your barbarians and your fighters. You've got spellcasters like a Bard or or a wizard or sorcerer. And then, and then you kind of have some hybrids that are a little bit of of fighter, fighter and spellcaster. So you, you you've got those three different ones. But this is, you know, it's interesting you say that. I I actually have them in my head uh, split up into three different categories. I have the, the melee guys who run up with the the hand weapons. Mm-hmm. I have ranged characters, which are people who use bows and arrows and magic. And I have utilities, which are people who tend to use either both or more more specifically, they have supporting type magic or or abilities. And I throw clerics, paladins, and bards into the utility one because. They have spells that affect both good and bad creatures. Mm-hmm. They have healing spells. Right. They have debuffing spells. They have uh, buffing spells for the characters. That's just me. Your character characterization fits just as well too. But that's just how I've always said. So it's interesting. interesting yeah. Yeah. So so bards are. So I, I love the description of bards as a a versatile and charismatic spellcaster. Known for their captivating performances, magical abilities, and wide range of skills, this kind of goes into what what Joe is saying. You know, they're not only are they offensive uh, spellcasters, but they have these kind of I don't know what to call it defensive, but but support spells to to help help the the party as well. You know, they're they're entertainers. But they they've got this great uh, magic that they they use within their music and storytelling, and they really have a way to inspire their allies 
and and also kind of manipulate reality with their with their performances. So there there's a lot of interesting things that you can do with a bard. And uh, what, what's your, what's your take on on the bard, Joe? I think I think you you nailed most of it right there on the top of the head. Um, the 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 bards. The only, the only thing I would really like to add about that is the bard is one of the more uh, and, and we'll talk about it in a minute, the charismatic characters. These are the guys that can whip into a, a, a bar or even on a street corner, start playing, make a few copper pieces just because the people will feel sorry for him or actually he'll be good enough that the people will like him. And if your party happens to be extremely poor, at least now you have some kind of money for the night. Uh, and you can do that inside of an inn. Sometimes the, the, the innkeeper will give you room and board if you're good enough. Um, they 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 uh they they always have the ability to charm people but uh, as i was saying before they're also not terrible with uh little hand weapons short swords typically but uh you you can hand once and once in a while you can give them a long sword or daggers even yeah i mean so they're again very very versatile uh class within within the world of D&D. Now their their primary ability as as kind of we've already alluded to here is their charisma. That's that's the primary ability that that they focus on. So their their spellcasting ability is based on charisma and and a lot of those persuasion performance is it performance charisma yeah. based or is that No, no, that's per, that's that's charisma. I can never remember if it's charisma or strength. Like no, performance is charisma. Performance is charisma because performance in D and D is specifically towards the idea that you are performing something less than uh, actually doing something like physical. Got it. So like like athletics or acrobatics. Correct. Or you can even do oration. Uh, there's ah. a, when we talk about the class, we'll talk about some mm-hmm. subclasses. But there are cl- some subclasses that deal with oration as opposed to ma- uh, music. Fascinating. So let's talk about the let's talk about creating a bard. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about creating a bard, and let's talk about kind of we'll talk about the quick build. So obviously, as we've said, charisma should be your highest ability score. And again, get get as close to twenty. That that's always always with that primary ability. You always want to try to get get up to close as close to twenty or or two twenty as quickly as possible. So so focus on that. Focus on charisma as you level up. Followed by dexterity, and, and why is dexterity important? Well, like I said, they they tend to be using uh, some of the lighter weapons, which will double as uh, you you can use either strength or dexterity. But also, dexterity is important because they tend to be a little bit of a faster character, uh, a faster um, race, uh, not race, uh, a faster class. And and it boosts their initiative, and they also don't wear very heavy armor, so it helps boost up their armor class at the end. Because you want to make sure. Because it's interesting. I don't. I don't think even even though AC stands for armor class, I I I never. I don't necessarily associate it with with wearing armor. I associate it with the ability for for your character to avoid avoid getting hit by the attack coming at you. Correct. So that's why I always think of, of bards, like, as you said, as, as, as more light on their feet, you know, cause they're, they're not necessarily wearing armor. So, yep. so that, that's why that dexterity, the a higher dexterity kind of fits into the ability to avoid an attack, 
not necessarily because it, it's hit your armor and and hasn't pierced your armor, but because you're able to move out of the way and and kind of dodge and and avoid that avoid that attack. If you check out Critical Role, uh, you can see Scanlan, who is your typical bard, who uses all of these features that we're talking about, and he doesn't really wear armor. He's more about quick and getting out of the way. You're 100 percent correct on on using that dexterity for things other than being in being an armor wearer. So there it's it's not just because it's called armor class, don't you don't necessarily have to equate it to how mu- how much armor, armor they are yeah. they are they're currently wearing at at the moment. Um thirdly, think about constitution. So we always I, I think this is probably always always a good middle stat for almost any any class because that that's your HP. So if it's not your second, it should be your third, probably. For the most part, I agree. Yeah. So, because again, your your primary ability should be your highest stat. So, somewhere between dexterity and constitution are kind of the the next two. Really, it really depends on on how you want to build the character, and we'll get more into that on on the the specific class episodes. But um, just remember, just depending that- on how you how you create the character, will will also dictate. What, what emphasis you put on each each ability right and 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 just remember as as a bard you may get in close but you tend to not wear armor or heavy armor so your dexterity is going to be important about uh keeping up your ac so how you deviate between dexterity and, and constitution maybe you sacrifice your dexterity for a better constitution so you can stand in the battle a little longer but uh you know depends on how you're building them like you said yeah, it's a, it's a careful balancing act between between the two for sure. Uh, other things you want to think about when you are creating your bard, uh, they recommend using if if you're trying to make one quickly, choosing the entertainer background, which again is very typical for for a bard. Uh, when when it comes to now, this is we were talking about a weapon wielder. Now we're talking about a spell a spell caster. So when, when it comes time to think about spells, remember there are cantrips and, and then leveled spells. So remind me of the difference. I'm so glad you asked. So cantrips do not require cantrips. You can, you can use over and over again when, when your other spells, when your leveled spells, they require the use of spell slots. So you have X number of spell slots as a, as a first level player. So, you can choose, I think it's probably what, four, I think four spells, four spells at, uh, at level one, if I recall correctly. And you, you've got X number of spell slots. So you can only use those first level spells so many times. And after, after that, you, you can't use them anymore, but cantrips can be used over and over and over again. So it's interesting when I was doing all this research, they they talked about kind of um, how to how to pick your cantrips in the beginning. One should be like a utility yes. spell. So let's say you're you're casting light or something like that. So if you're in a dungeon and and you you're one of the few races that doesn't have uh, dark vision, um, you can cast light or, or something like that. Or you're just it's in the dark and you and you want to be able to to light it up. Uh, utility spell something that can um, something that, that would help your party, like a healing spell. So, so they recommend, I'm trying to see what cantrips they recommend here. Minor illusion, vicious mockery are, are the two 
that they they choose. So minor illusion is, is a kind of a useful utility spell, not really an attack spell. Um, so it could help you get out of out of certain situations. And then vicious mockery, which is the psychologically cutting spell. Yes, <laughs> sarcasm just. The old sticks and stones yes. goes out the window because words can hurt. And, and when they come from a bard, they can actually take away your health. And that's that's one of the things. So you you want to hold on to that cantrip because again, as you as you level up, those those cantrips become more and more powerful. But but remember you can use them as many times as you want. So so you don't have to have spell slots for those. Now the First level spell slots that or the first level spells that they recommend are charm person, detect magic, healing word, and thunder wave. Which is a nice mix between uh utility, mm-hmm. offense, yes. and defense. With the charm person and detect magic being utility, you can charm a person and possibly talk your way past them. You can detect magic to see if something might be magically guarded or protected. Uh, healing word is kind of self obvious where you can heal and thunder wave is an attack spell, which is uh, fairly commonly used by bards and, and many other classes uh, in, in the games that we've played anyway, it seems to be a, a, a player favorite. Yes. Yes, indeed. So now let's talk about some of the other things for the, the other features for, for this class. So the hit dice for, uh, the bard is a D eight. Yep. And uh, let's see proficiency. So the bard is only proficient in light armor because again they're they're not they're not typically an an armor wearer. So this is this is probably leather or or something very yeah. simple. Not not nothing nothing heavy or or uh, elaborate so to speak. Uh, weapons wise, simple weapons: crossbows, long swords. Rapiers, short swords, and let's talk about their their tools. So, what do they what do they get as 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 their tools? So, the cool thing, and here's your your role play, your personality fitting into it. You're proficient in three types of musical instruments that you may want to choose. So, <laughs> uh, I think the one time I I mocked up a, a bard, I never got to play it. I think I took the drums, and I thought it was like. A lot of fun to think that I'm dragging this mini cart behind me with a modern day set of drums behind and like setting it up between before every battle somehow. And I, you know, I, I've never played the character. I've never played a bard. I haven't played a lot of characters. And it's just, it was just an interesting concept. That really is. Now let's, it, it, it's, you know, it, it's interesting because that, that will go into my next, the next thing that I want to talk about here. So I, I could imagine it's it it reminds me of the of the old um i don't know necessarily civil war but but colonial battles during the revolutionary war how 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 they had the the band out there playing so i could i i could see you like like uh, like a rush concert at this at this <laughs> battle and and joe is just drumming away out there just 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 throwing inspiration out at 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 the rest of the party. So that's the, the one thing that uh, bards have is, is what is known as bardic inspiration. Oh boy. You just gave me a great idea after we talk about the inspiration. 
I'm I'm so glad. So so talk. So I'll I'll you do that. You do. I'll talk talk about bardic inspiration. You talk about your idea. So it is. So it's it's interesting. So (laughs) this is this is my this is my idea of of bardic inspiration. He's not really a bard, but I think of I think of Matt Foley from Saturday Night Live giving the motivational speech, telling kids to stay off drugs. So this is he's he's giving living in a van (laughs) down by the river. So he is he is giving this motivational speech that is so good. It's it's like the most epic motivational speech ever that that the dice that you're rolling are even inspired. So what happens I, I love this. It's it's like a personal cheerleader. <laughs> um so once within the next 10 minutes somebody can roll the die and add the number rolled to one ability check. And what is the bardic insp- what is the bardic inspiration die? Starts out as a d6. That's right. It is is a d6 and then at at 5th level it becomes a d8, a d10 at 10th level and it it just keeps going up. So so you can add this 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 die to um an ability check, an attack roll or a saving throw. Not to your damage dice. Not to your damage dice. It does. It doesn't inspire your weapon, but it inspires you in 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 other ways. Think of it as it inspiring you to do something, whether to hit, to avoid damage, or to uh, resist damage, makes you toughen up. Yes. Now you can only have one inspiration die at a time, so so don't think like you can you can keep multiplying these. But but yes. Yeah, so. So Joe is is your your drummer on the battlefield doing doing an epic drum solo and and you feel so moved by this music that you've got this this extra jolt of of inspiration when you when you go out in the battlefield. So Joe, let's please share your idea with us. Do you remember the movie uh, about Kiss? The kid was trying to do everything he could to go see the band Kiss, and his mother was part of a church group. Uh, you know, the, the, they were trying to prevent him to go seeing the concert. Um, now I can see you don't remember this movie. It, no, it was from I think all. it was from the eighties or nineties. And, and anyway, he gets the Kiss concert, but he he's a drummer in his band at uh-huh. home, and his mother breaks one of his drumsticks, which makes him lose it and will walk out on his mother. So he's at the kiss concert with his girlfriend and his friends. And he's waving just one drumstick and without looking at him, I forget the, who the, 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 the drummer of kiss was. He ends up throwing his drumstick into the audience and he catches it. So of course, you, of course, <laughs> of course, of course, of course. So the, what, what you were talking about, about giving out the inspiration. And I mentioned that, you know, I was always thought of a drummer would be awesome. It would be great if the drummer had a huge like pack of drumsticks and as he gives the inspiration, he tosses the drumstick to the player and the player has to hold the drumstick while they're attacking or trying to resist it. That's where the inspiration comes because he plays this epic drum solo or whatever and then gives him an actual drumstick that he has to hold while that doing it. That would be it. amazing. It's like, it's like, like a, here's your physical representation of your... Uh, uh, of your um your inspiration and and when 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 you think about how inspiration works it's a bonus action so you can do your attack you can do whatever and then you turn to one of your compatriots and say hey andrew 
you're doing a swell job or whatever you may say, or you play a quick, you know, guitar rift or lute rift or whatever. And, and you, you, you pay attention to them. That's when they get their inspiration. So the great thing is as a bard, you can still take your regular action and then inspire somebody as a bonus action. And you can give that, I think it's six times or four times in the, when you're first level. You can oh, use this feature, the, the number of times equal to your charisma modifier, right. minimum of once, and you regain those You regain those uses after you finish a long rest. Imagine being a bard, but you know being a terrible bard, so you actually end up with a low charisma. <laughs> You'd have to role play the hell out of that. That would, that would be like the anti-bard, like you're just, <laughs> you, you really, really wanted to be a musician, but... But you just like you can't carry a tune. Like you can't. You just you, you've you've tried the guitar. You've, you've tried the drums. You've you've tried everything, and you just can't. Yep. You can't do any of it. But there's there's so much to to bards. Like I said, I'm really looking forward to to doing individual episodes about about each of these classes, so we can really dive Talk into about them. all the details that yes. come with it. Oh, absolutely. Because there's there's so much fun that you can have with these. Um, but let's talk about. Another interesting one. So this is, so we've talked about kind of um, the weapon wielder. We've talked about spellcaster, kind of um, utility. weapon utility player. So another utility player, at least is, that I would consider, would be Agreed. a cleric. Yeah. So so talk to us. What what is a what is a cleric? In simplest terms, the cleric is like the American Express card. You never leave home without it. Uh-huh. <laughs> the cleric, uh, in in the simplest of terms, is, any any is good party should not leave without their home without their without American cleric, Express. Yes. <laughs> American Express cleric. Correct. Uh, the cleric is your 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 generic healer. Uh, there are several other classes that can heal. However, the cleric is more built around the idea of being a healer than any other creature, any other class, I mean. And um, they channel the power of, of a, either a higher being or a deity that they worship. And they use that faith, their charisma mm-hmm. is based, their faith is based upon their charisma to, uh, to heal and 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 uh, regenerate those people who are ill uh, and and damaged. But in addition to that, they have these abilities to inflict damage and to hurt. Um, and oftentimes, they can be used as divine messengers against some evil anti of whatever their deity is. So really, so really, their power is based. Their power is granted by a. By a deity of of some sort, based upon their faith in that deity, correct? Got it. Uh, I keep keep going back to it, but critical role: the mm-hmm. character of Pike. Yes, uh, she is uh, a cleric of the Everlight, and uh, for a brief period of time, she appears to have lost her power uh, due to some type of self doubt. Fascinating. Yeah, it's they're just. I think they're such a great character. I, I love in, in doing the research. I, I love the, the phrase, the one phrase that I saw in there, it's their ability to both mend allies and dispense divine retribution. <laughs> I love that concept. So they're, it, it's interesting. They are, they are, they're representing a, a deity who, who, who they, they follow and who has granted them these powers, but they can, 
you know, they're, they're not, they're, they're not goody two shoes. You know, they're, they're, they're there to, to work out, work both sides of the coin, I, I guess would be the, the way I would put it. I agree. Yeah. Um, that's why I, I feel that they fall underneath the utility casting, the utility type of char- character right. again, because they are doing both damage and uh, uh, healing. And you, you'll see some status effect type of things where uh, the spells are concerned when we dive into the actual character uh, episode, of the the, the uh class episode specifically you'll see that some of them are more of a um, less damage oriented and more uh, buff and anti-buff your enemies got it um so i i love this 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 paragraph in in here because again there is there is an appendix that talks about all the different deities so this is something you want to make sure you're coordinating with the dm depending on what deities are, are within your particular campaign. Um, you, you may pick someone else, but I, lo- I love this part. It says, once you've chosen a deity, consider your cleric's relationship to that god. Did you enter the service willingly? Which is a, which is a really good point. Yeah. Or did the god choose you, impelling you into service with no regard for your wishes? How do you... How do the temple priests of your faith regard you as a champion or a troublemaker? A troublemaker cleric sounds sounds really interesting. I'm it trying to does. think of I'm trying to think of who this reminds me of. Um, Somebody who's bucking against the trend, who's the reluctant hero. Am I thinking of like Constantine? Like is he? You know, I, I guess, it, yes, in, in a sense, Constantine never wanted the job that he had. Right. And he did it because he knew it was the right thing to do, but he was, like, always reluctant to do it. It wasn't even so much that he was reluctant. He was just like, you know, yeah, I'll do it when I want to. You're pushing me around enough. But I think you are thinking Constantine because that's what came to my mind. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting interesting dichotomy about, you know, you are... The other person that this makes me think of is uh, Moon Knight. Yes, from the show, absolutely. Because he was he was kind of tied to that god, like like the, I think the god more chose him than 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 he picked the god. Yeah, and and he was he was kind of like the servant of this god, really un like sort of un- unwillingly. Well, to the uh, point that he ended up with a split personality that, right. that took over when the, the deity's uh, powers manifested. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, he doesn't necessarily have the healing powers of, of the, like the cleric no, but does, the, but, but the, that, that, that God, that deity enforcement. Yeah. Yeah. That deity relationship kind of, kind of fits in there. That's, that's, that's the that's other one that I was thinking That's a great example of that, that enforced uh, service. So let's talk about let's, now. Let's talk about the quick build for ah. for a cleric. Um, I'm also looking forward to. So we're gonna we're also gonna have an interview with another one of our friends, Cat. Yes, and Cat has has done multiple clerics. She has. So uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to to hearing her perspective on on clerics and 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 why she has chosen clerics and and some of the some of the interplay between. Um, her her backgrounds that she's developed for those particular characters. I think one of her her uh, 
because it was the longest running, one of her best clerics was Petra when we did uh, Curse yeah. of Strahd. Yeah. And she was able to level her up very, very far. In, in, a, in a lot of uh, fun nod, she played a female dwarven cleric there with a beard. Which was uh, always the way I believe D and D had it represented that the female dwarves ended up having facial hair as well. Interesting. I I, I do not know my my history of, of female dwarven facial hair. Yeah. Interesting. So let's get back to the quick build first. What should they be thinking about when when what's the first ability they should focus on when when building the cleric? So the, the first thing that you want to. Uh, put your stats into is your wisdom. That's your spell modifier. That's where you're going to base all of your magical power out of. Yeah. Wisdom is, is going to be key for, for whatever spells you cast, all those healing spells. So the second ability you should prioritize should either be strength or dexterity strength. If you're going to create an offensive character, you want, you want to have that. If, if you're wielding a, a weapon, so to speak, or dexterity, for for defense, if you if you want to have a high higher AC, and and right behind whichever one you choose, then the third one in line should be your Constitution to maximize the the HP. Those are really the that it would go in that order. So either strength or dexterity in the second slot, just depending on on how you want to create your character. If you want to be more of that that kind of ranged ranged attack spellcaster, you know definitely. Um, work on your defense, but if you want to get in there a little bit more with a weapon, then 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 work on the offense and uh, go with your strength. But uh, the other thing you want to look at is the background, yeah, for for a cleric. So so why would you choose the acolyte background? I mean, I guess that's the stereotypical background for yeah, it fits for a cleric. It fits the where where a cleric would kind of its basic roots in. Again, uh, you know. We'll get into the backgrounds in more detail, but the basic idea of an acolyte gives you certain additional checks and and uh, skills that 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 fit into the religious background that you're you're uh, you're diving into as a cleric. Um, but you know there are tons of other backgrounds that you can just as easily apply as, as you go through. Some other things to consider as, as far as a a cleric is concerned. Uh, remember, your hit dice are going to be a one d eight. And your proficiencies, similar to to other other characters in the in the same same kind of spectrum, light armor, medium armor, shields, uh, weapons are just simple weapons, because again they're they're more of a spell casting kind of def- I want to say defensive. They're they're not in the middle of battle. They're not they're not really a a, a weapon wielder to in in melee combat. Um, so. So they're limited in kind of what weapons they have proficiency in. I mean, they can cast, I mean, they could theoretically use any weapon, but they don't have uh, proficiency in it. See, that's interesting. I've personally always looked at the cleric as as more of a melee character than a ranged character myself. Really? Yeah. Um, I mean, so I mean that that kind of gets into to kind of the next section about the equipment that you can start with, the mace, or depending on your race, if you're proficient with a warhammer, a warhammer. It's always pictured in my head as somebody who's going to get up into the middle of a combat and start swinging around. That being said. 
I don't think when Kat played Petra, she was actually that much in the middle of a combat like like I would have played one. So that's that's uh, not necessarily saying that I'm right. That's that's a good point. Yeah, because I'm I'm thinking more of their their support spells to You're absolutely right yeah. to the other the other characters that are actually in in melee battle. So they are they're either weakening an enemy or strengthening. And allies is kind of how I well, you know what how the, I see them. You know what the other thing is is that when What's she that? played Ray mm-hmm. in the, the 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 more recent campaign, the, right. the, the Tortle, she ended up with such a high AC that she just waded into combat and started whacking things around. So again, I was fitting in in my head as more of a melee character, but right. I never really dug into the idea that a, a priestly character would be further back. I guess I'm thinking more of the Paladin, which we'll have to talk about next episode, where they have, I believe they have the proficiency in the heavier armor. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. I missed that one on myself. Again, that was my my view of how the character would be played. But see, it's interesting that you say that, though, because it's 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 how we've seen other people play the character. So, yeah. so and, and you've said this, I've said this, you don't have to play the stereotypical character. So, so our friend Cat had a, a cleric, Tortle, who who had a very high AC. So, so with a very high AC, they could actually go into battle much more easily because they were less likely to be uh, hit by weapons with with that high AC. So they could they could more easily go into into the mix of things and 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 cause some cause some mayhem. But I I've always typically I've. I, I think more of a stereotypical cleric who kind of being outside of outside of the main battle and, and kind of playing that playing that support role. And in hindsight, now that I'm thinking about it, my friend Liz played one in the, her first campaign. She played a cleric and she really didn't get into the middle of melee either. She always hung back. And I always thought she just hung back because she liked casting spells. But it might have been that that's how the character was designed. And, and I'm I would be misusing a cleric if I were to have designed a cleric and played with that way. Well, you wouldn't be misusing well, it. You just you'd just be playing it differently, off off book. Yeah, that that that's a great way to put it. Off book. All right. So my goodness, there's so much good stuff to talk about. So let's go into the next class, which is druid. <laughs> now I have always thought of the druids definitely as a support character. Yes. Um. They 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 have very little hit points they have typically very little strength and uh when you start looking at their spells our friend christina played a druid in our second campaign that we did together and uh she she ended up not caring for it as much she had played a rogue in the first run um but I was fascinated. I was DMing. I was fascinated by all of the spells that she had that were modifying the terrain and, and the thing. So I fit them perfect, uh, squarely in the utility type of class. I really, I really dig the concept of of a druid. Very, very nature based. You know, drawing power from drawing power from the earth. You know, trans. I love transform. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second. Transforming animals. Yes. Um, wielding kind of the forces of nature. You know, communing with with other animals. It, it's just, I I really kind of dig that kind of like it's 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 like the hippie of. <laughs> I was just the, thinking the, the hippie, hippie of D and D. Because and and then these guys, 
more than any other race, this these these guys remind me of the uh, Native Americans, uh, people who who tried to create a balance with nature around them, where they would hunt animals, but they wouldn't do it to excess, and and they had this balance of nature and man, and I think that the Druids have always uh, built that concept in my head. And it's not a race that we talked about because it's not a common one, but uh, our friend Kat played a druid one time as a furbolg, who is a race that really has that same connection with nature, and it really worked out beautifully, except she played him as a very cranky character. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk, about, let's talk about now, let's talk about the quick build of, of building a, a druid. So the, the first thing you want to focus on when when building a druid is you want to look at wisdom because again wisdom is going to be your your spell casting ability that's that's what's going to power the the druid spells uh, followed by constitution or dexterity really depends again you want either think about dexterity for the for the armor class so if you if you want to kind of protect yourself be be a little bit more defensive or if you're really going to go in there and and start attacking, you want high HP, you know, go for the Constitution. So you can you can play it either way as as far as that's concerned, just depending on on how you en- you envision your character and and the background that they recommend with with druids is is the hermit background. Joe, what what are your thoughts on on a quick build of, of a druid. I, I think it fits in uh, perfectly with the the uh, lore that is set up with uh, what you can read in the basic rules about who and how the druids exist, um, especially the hermit background. When you think about a hermit, um, my first couple of thoughts of hermits come into uh, recluses that live out in the woods and small little mud or wooden huts that are constantly tinkering with plants and, 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 you know, friends with animals. <laughs> Actually, what was the name of the guy in the princess bride that they took, uh, they took miracle into- max. Yes. I always thought of him as more of a, a, a hermit than uh, a wizard or anything like that, just because of how they were like away from everything. And, and, and I, you know, the hermits are, are always creep people who were, Far away from the, uh, from 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 mankind and 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 all, all creatures, and try to live with nature as much as possible. So you know the hermit fits in. And again, when you when we get into to uh, backgrounds and you do your own research on the backgrounds, you'll see that the skills that the hermit brings to a druid complement it. I just so I I think there's some interesting races that that play well into into the druid uh, class. One is a dwarf, you know, like a mountain dwarf. You, you get some plus twos to some other, other abilities. Um, but, but I think just, just the race itself being a hill and mountain dweller kind of being underground really plays into that kind of hermit, um, that hermit background. So, you know, they're very, very in tune with nature, you know, with, with stone and gems, you know, they're, they've, they've got that, that kind of that bond with, with nature. So I, I kind of see that one fitting in pretty well. At least that's, that, that's my take. Cause I, I, I was thinking of this more when I was, when I was creating Thoradin, the, the, um, the mountain dwarf mime, the fighter, but, um, 
But Druid would be an interesting class to to play with those as well. I think so. Uh, I think it would be interesting, but for unfortunately for the the opposite reason. Well, you you think so? I, I think uh, a Druid dwarf would be one who loves trees and and growing things in nature. Whereas in my head, the dwarves themselves are more like you were saying, deeper in the mountains and. I'm probably biased because I have been reading and listening to R.A. Salvador's books on Drizzt Orden. Mm-hmm. And in there, there is a dwarf who is a druid. And all the dwarves look at him funny because they're like, you like trees? We're mountain people. So I'm biased to that opinion. I never really thought about it until I heard that story. So if you had pitched that same concept to me before I read that, I might have agreed with you completely. Surprising. That'd be the first time you agree with me completely. Not necessarily. I'm just kidding. When we talk D&D, we agree on a lot of things. Yes. Which is odd because we are allowed to disagree. We are allowed. And we, we do disagree on quite a few things. Um, that's what makes us such good friends. Um, let's talk about my favorite thing. Your favorite? Please, oh, please. Well, with druids, which is wild shape. Don't get wild on me now. I'm. I'm... Shape your responses better. That was bad. It was terrible. That was awful. It was low, low hanging. I am not editing that out of the podcast. <laughs> that one stays. Yes, wild shape. So yeah, so wild shape is is what allows a druid to adapt to different situations um, by transforming into various animals, um, possessing unique abilities. There there are limits on this as to what animals they can what they can wild shape into. I I think. I think the movie Honor Among Thieves really went out on a on a limb, allowing the druid to wild shape into into an owl bear. That's that's not typical, um, based based on the basic rules. But um, it's interesting. It, this is, this gives you additional abilities. Like uh, you could you could you could be a bird. You could you could have the ability of flight, swimming, uh, enhanced senses. So there, there's a lot of other other things that you can you can add into your abilities as a druid by by wild shaping into into various creatures. You can you can wild shape into a small animal and and go in and and, and spy on a situation. There there's a lot of different reasons for doing this. You know, you scope out scope out the area ahead by being a bird and flying up high and seeing seeing what's going on before before you actually go into into a combat area. And, and get a lay, for, lay of the land. So there, there's a lot of really cool things you can do with wild shape, um, get into and out of situations um, based on based on what animal. And it, as you as you level up, you can you can turn into uh, a greater array of, of animals based on based on your the abilities that you have gained. But for me, wild shape is just one of the coolest things that you can do as as far as a druid is concerned. Agreed. The versatility that allows you to, you know, uh, like you were saying, there's just so many things you can do as different characters, uh, different creatures and smaller creatures sneaking around, flying creatures to go take a scout out. It, it, it's great. There are drawbacks, of course, where you take, you, you take the traits of the creature that you do. So if you were to take the uh, traits of a mountain lion, let's say, you would only be able to do the amount of damage that a mountain lion would be able to do. You would not be able to cast any spells uh, as that creature. Now, if you were previously concentrating on a spell, you can maintain that concentration. Right. But you cannot cast any new spells. Right. 
And you're limited to the armor class and the hit points of that creature. Now, the caveat to that is, instead of dying when you hit zero, you revert back to your original being and start taking hit points again from wherever your hit points were there. So it does create an extra pool of hit points if you find the need, but it will more than likely reduce your offensive punch. Certainly, but it's I, I, I don't necessarily see it as being that much of an offensive tool. True, I can see um, that. I, I see it again more more of the utility class, um, and things like that as as, as the abilities. That, that's that's why I think they kind of they kind of fudged things and and allowed um, the druid to become an owl bear in in honor among yeah. thieves, but. But but typically it's I think I think lions and tigers are, are maybe some of the larger animals that you can become on on some of the higher levels I can't I can't recall but we'll get um, into that when we start talking exactly. about the class specific episode because the information that's available for each class is so detailed vast that that we're, we're we've been recording now for over an hour and and we're still. Uh, you know, touching only the high points, and and we hope to, uh, after we do our character creation, I think we're going to start uh, diving into the specifics of each class individually. Correct. So on that note, let's segue right into the next class, which is the fighter. So the fighter is really interesting. In my campaign on Tuesday night when I'm playing, I created a fighter for the first time, um, and and I've been enjoying playing the fighter class, which is why I found it really interesting. You know, you haven't had a chance to perform combat as a fighter much in, in uh, the Monday night campaign. Nice. After you've done it for a while, I want to talk to you about it and compare our experiences, because I find the fighter uh, expansive and limiting at the same time. How so? Well, there's only three things you can do. Attack, attack, or attack. Um, Your attacks don't vary by much, which is one of the things I kind of like about spellcasters is because you you usually have a range of spells and you can mix and match. And and, and, with with a fighter, you really only can run up and hit something. Um, There are variations on that, of course. But as my fighter... I, I run up and I hit things. Now, given the creature, the character that I'm playing, it fits perfectly with the personality that I've I've built around him, and that's fine. That's one of the reasons why, and again, we'll talk about the details, that's one of the reasons why when I took my subclass, I took the one with the maneuvers, because the maneuvers give you a large variety of things you can play around with. I think once you get to level up a fighter, it, become, it becomes a much more... Um robust character yeah you, you've got like the superiority dice with the maneuvers you can disarm you can frighten there there's a lot of things you can do when you when you get into higher levels with a fighter but i think i think your level one fighter is just that's what he is he's he is a he is trained to fight that yeah. that's what they do you know everybody everybody within a party has has their specialty and his 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 prowess is is with weapons and and defending those that are in the party and and keeping Correct. them safe. So I think, you know, if that's what you're into, that's that's the perfect the perfect class for you. If it's 
if you if you want a broad range of, of spells and being able to do a lot of different things, then then you know a fighter is clearly not for you. But um, when but, it comes to the melee range, they are well rounded as melee. Oh yeah, characters. I mean they they. They, they've got the ability to wear the armor. So they've got proficiencies in armor, weapons, et cetera. They are, they are fantastic people. Like I am like, like Thoradin, the, the dwarf, he is, he's a soldier. So he is, he has fought in, in wars and I mean, he's over 250 years old. So he's, yeah. he's seen a lot of battle. So he is, he's not, he's not just a, a killing machine. He is a, he is a wise uh, tactician. He, he knows, you know, how to, how to coordinate a, a battle and, and go in. So he, he's got a lot of, a lot of wisdom behind just swinging a sword. Agreed. So let's talk about, let's talk about quickly building, do the quick build for, for a fighter. So why, why don't you dive into, into what, what, what abilities and what skills you want to you want to have for for your fighter? So the first one is uh, typically everybody would think is strength. Now the the other option that you might want to consider is dexterity, and the reason why is a fighter is also proficient in archery. Now this is really interesting. I I uh, did a one shot where my friend Chris was DMing. I uh, I made a centaur uh, centaur, and uh, I made him an archer fighter, and. He rained death from above. It was massively uh, death damage dealing. I, I I don't have the words for it. So don't be afraid to also consider uh, ranged weapons or perhaps even finesse weapons, uh, knives, short swords, anything that you might want to use as a finesse weapon and max out your dexterity instead. However, strength is the typical one for using swords and spears and clubs and such. Um the next one should definitely be your constitution. Mm-hmm. Your dexterity, you're not going to worry about as much because when you when you see a little bit later, they're going to end up with um, proficiency in heavy armor, which means they're going to get a lot more AC from their armor class from their armor. So you're not really concerned so much with your dexterity. You want to make sure that your hit points are maxed out because your stats aren't really going to be able to help your AC if you opt for the heavy armor. Yeah, you wanna you wanna have the hit points behind behind that sword that you're swinging. So when you when when you hit, you want to be able to take a hit hit right back. You want you want you want to be like Rocky Balboa. Yes. You know you wanna you want to be able to punch and be able to take a punch. So um, def definitely maximize that that constitution for your for your HP. Um. What else? What else should they consider with with a fighter? Let's let's talk about well, let's talk about some of the the other features. So, well, real quick, since yeah. we were talked about the other backgrounds, the typical background for a fighter is a soldier. Yes, which uh, again, as we said in the other ones, the details of the soldier background fit in and complement well with the fighter. Again, we'll go through it all when we delve into uh, the backgrounds in in uh, future episodes. So, hit dice. 1d10. Yep. So, so I, again, healthy. Yeah. Very, very healthy with, with a 1d10, which is, which is great. Their proficiencies, they are proficient in all armor and shields. So, so yet again, 
They can they can wear heavy armor, so that that'll be a big boost to the to the AC. So that's why you don't necessarily have to focus so much on the dexterity and want to focus more on the the constitution to to raise the HP. Yeah, if they if they do if they do break through and uh, and and connect with that weapon. I want to make a, a a quick note here. We we've talked about shields and a couple of these characters. A shield is a basic plus two to your AC. Um, if you wanted to add it to your your character, and on a with a fighter, you can use two handed weapons. But if you are looking really for that boost in your AC, you can take something as simple as a long sword and get that shield and take whatever AC you have and boost it up by two. Uh, I I think clerics sometimes have it, and when we talk about paladins, we'll talk about shields. But in my head, fighters are like the number one class to walk around with a shield in hand. Yeah, I think I, I can't remember which which ability it is because remember, because I'm not carrying a shield or or using a or have a weapon in the other hand, I get a plus two to my my damage. It's uh, I get the well, two I get weapon fighting. Bonus. Yeah, the two weapon is it two weapon fighting? I believe it's called two weapon fighting. But I'm not I'm not weaponing with two weapons. Now we got to look this up. See, now we got to. Oh, wait, wait, wait. what did you get a bonus to? It, it's the I get to add my strength bonus to the damage from the second attack. Not from the second attack, from any attack. Because I'm not wielding. Because I'm I have nothing in the other in the other hand. When you are wielding a melee weapon in one hand and no other weapons, you gain a plus two bonus to yes. damage rolls. That's the one? Yeah. Okay. And what is that? Dueling. Dueling. That's that's the... that's the. Is it a feat? No, no. It's a uh, fighting style. It's so a this, fighting style. This is one of the things you get as a fighter. You get to pick a fighting style. And uh, as you level up, you get to pick more or swap them out. But in Andrew's case, he picked dueling, which when he's only using one melee weapon, he gets an extra bonus to his attack damage as long as he's not holding anything in his other hand. Correct. Think of it as the ability to move more freely without thinking about holding a shield in the proper position to defend yourself, you're more, you're able to more advantageously place yourself in striking uh, positions. Correct. So that's, yeah. So there, there's, again, there's all sorts of things. When we, when we get into the standalone episodes, we'll, we'll dive deep. really deep into, into all these features. So you can, um, you can see how they, how they kind of all come together to, to form these classes. So that brings us for this episode to the last, but definitely not least class alphabetically of the monk. Well, you just like this the monk is this is not Tony Shalhoub. What's that? You just playing? You like? You're just talking that way about the monk because I would in what I consider your greatest character ever made uh, so far was a monk. I'm a huge fan of of the monk. I I love. I love the martial artist. There, there's a lot to, to these characters. So let's talk about what a monk is. So a monk is a highly trained martial artist who not only has has trained in 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 combat, but they're they're also. I, I kind of see them as the 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 Zen Buddhist monk. So they're they're not only just 
um, a fighter, but they, they have harnessed the power of mind and body to, to they channel that through their, their strikes and are able to perform extraordinary feats of, of acrobatics when they are, when they're fighting by channeling all this energy through, through themselves. Um, they have, they've trained significantly. They've got, you call them mystical abilities. Uh, we'll talk about there. We're not going to talk about it today, but they have what are called key points, which is the, with the, which is this energy that, that flows through them. I've heard this some, some in some of the reading that I did, I've heard this compared to uh, the force. So they, they, they've talked about some of the, the star Wars uh, people as, as monks, because they have this key energy, flowing flowing through them that's a that's an interesting analogy that i can definitely get behind yeah it's it's between this and i think maybe paladin i think was the other one if i recall correctly but there were there's a couple classes that that they talk about with with star wars characters. the jedi and, and uh, sith uh, yeah 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 but anyway, I don't want to. I don't want to get too much into. Well, into as, all as that, a yes. person, as a person who's who's DM'd you as this monk and and the other monk, um, yes. where you I, I, you didn't have a name for the shapeshifter, right? You you didn't have a a name. Menyevich. Oh, Menyevich! I can never remember that name. Which I believe is Czech. I for, believe so. For shapeshifter. Shapeshifter. Yeah, I think that's right. That's right. You told us that. Yeah, I, I remember. I remember. I think you fell so in love with the subclass that you were as Draftganger that you, 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 to a certain extent, I think you ruined the rest of the monks for yourself because you were just so enamored with that one. But I, I remember trying to find a way to defeat you and, and, and just knock you down a few pegs. Mm-hmm. And, and every time the, the abilities of the monk would just rally and, and you would do damage. I'm just, I'm just, it's got, it, it, it is, it really is my, my favorite class. Yeah. Um, I will, I will say this much. So, so my, my inspiration for, for my monk was, was the character daredevil as well as my cat who is, who is named DD after, after daredevil. But, but it's interesting. I've, I've heard, it's almost more of be, be, with with the key points with this with this kind of mystical energy flowing through them. I almost think it's kind of a combination of Daredevil with with the martial arts abilities and Iron Fist. Yep. With 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 that with that 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 the, the key points the the key energy flowing flowing through them. That, so I, that so I almost focused punch that yes. he would have, where you know the visual effects was like all the power flowing into right. his fist. You know, I don't know why I, I keep thinking of Ki and I think of Kung Fu Panda. And he would, you know, in mm-hmm. the combat, he would like tap the body in like certain points and all of a sudden it would be like, but it, it didn't take anything out of him. It wasn't his key points. Right. He was finding uh, the key in the other person and disrupting the flow, if you will. So I, that, that's what rings my bell, but it's not really. Interesting. But yeah, I mean, it, it's just there's, I, I really feel like there's just so much that you can do with with this carrot, with this Absolutely. class. Um, it's just a lot of fun. And let's talk about the quick build for, for, for building a monk. Yeah. So definitely the first thing you want to do is, is focus on, on dexterity. Cause again, what's that completely. And why is that? 
I'm not going to take this away from you. Oh, come on. I can't have all the fun. So the dexterity is most important because, in my opinion for the monk, it's most important because it, it, it adds into your unarmored defense. Uh, it, it, when, when monks don't have any proficiency in any armor whatsoever, which means they incur penalties if they wear any armor whatsoever. So dexterity is vitally important. Not only will it help you to go first, but it will also help protect you. Unarmored defense, very simply for the for the monk, is your armor class is a 10, plus the modifier for your dexterity, plus the modifier for your wisdom, which is why the uh, quick build recommends wisdom as your second stat point. Correct. And, and one of the reasons, so... So one of the reasons that I really liked, so the the monk that I created was a tabaxi, which is the feline race in in Dungeons and Dragons. So one of the things I like the one the one reason that I created a tabaxi or feline monk was that typically a monk has a one d four unarmed strike, but with the tabaxi, with the the tabaxi has the cat's claws. So the Tabaxi unarmed strike becomes a 1d6. It's a little boost right off the start. Yes. So so a 1d6 for for not not even holding a weapon is is a pretty slick little feature because you can use again when we get into the the episode about monks we'll talk about uh flurry of blows which is one of the things you can do uh with your key points. But you you can have two extra attacks, two extra unarmed attacks. So you can uh, really use those cat's claws to to do some some nice damage. Um, I, I have to tell a quick aside story about oh, this. Oh, please do. So we were playing Curse of Strahd, and you guys were coming up to face Strahd. Do you remember? You won the initiative roll, and you came up to Strahd, and you hit him with your short sword, and you hit him with two unarmed strikes. And I think your unarmed strikes at that point were up to like a D12 or something like that. Or maybe a D10. You you were doing like massive damage to him. I do remember this. And 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 the problem was, Strahd has a heart hidden inside his castle that absorbs. I think it's up to fifty points of damage. And you did like fifty four points of damage in one turn, which is a massive amount of damage for a monk to do. Yes. I mean, it was it was impressive. Don't get me wrong, monks can do a great amount of damage, especially when you use the flurry of blows. But I, I remember. I had to describe it as his wounds healing back up because he was really got still had that 50 hit points because it was transferred and taken from his heart. And I remember the look on your face. You were so distraught. So deflated. You thought that everything that you did was worthless and you just kind of like we're just going to take a step back from the combat. And it felt so bad to watch you do this because I wanted to tell you there's this heart over here. It was amazing. It was so funny. I was, just, I was just, I'm like, what am I even doing? Why are we, why are we even here trying to defeat this guy? If I just did 50 plus points of damage to him and he just like healed himself. I'm like, <laughs> we're, I'm like I give up. I, I, I give up. I, I, it was probably the most miserable I ever felt about letting brutal play, play, playing against a character because it was like this and he's been building the character and he'd been like working on it and, and perfecting it. And all of a sudden it comes up and it's like his best shot didn't do anything. And yep. it was like, it was the perfect morale defeating. Like I, I just was like, I had to let it play out. But then I told him afterwards, I was like, dude, 
you 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 don't understand how much damage you really did. You just erased this whole problem. <laughs> yeah, it was it was uh, it it was, it was frustrating to to say the least. But but I think again, I am just I'm I'm all about the monks. I think it's just I I think it's nice because they they are fighters, but but they do have a lot of a lot of variety in in how they fight. You know, it's not it's not just the fighter you know, just dealing damage with, with a single weapon, you know, with the, with the key points, there are some, there's some really cool things that they can. There's a mystical aspect. Yeah. To it. It's, it's like, you know, it's not your typical brawler. It's a guy who goes up and, and, and punches and, and kicks, but he's not a brawler. He's a very precise instrument of damage dealing. It is, it is Neo in the matrix. And he just stands there and goes, I know Kung Fu. <laughs> That, which, which, like that's that's how i feel when i play a monk I'm which is like, really funny because I, I was gonna say neo from the matrix i was gonna say it's like bruce lee which is kung fu if i'm not mistaken <laughs> yeah so i mean it's just it's just a fun um i i love i yeah. just i love mark like i am i know nothing like i am i've never taken a, a lesson in any martial art whatsoever, but I am just, I love them so much because I think it's just, I think it's such an elegant way of fighting with, without a weapon. And I think it's just, um, very, I don't say artistic, but there's just, there's just some, some flow to it that just, that I think is just really beautiful. And, and I love how, I love how that kind of plays out on the field with, with a monk. And it was fun playing a blind monk and, I'll talk more about this on, on the standalone episode, building, building daredevil as a monk and, and some of the things that you want to consider. But, um, there's some really things that you really cool things that you can do, but, but playing a blind character, uh, we, I, we don't have time to t- go into that now, but it was, it was definitely a challenge to, to be a blind fighter, uh, out on, out on the battlefield. And, and, and with the monk is, is something else that like, you know, I was talking about how a fighter, you kind of just walk up and swing your sword or swing your weapon and hit. And the monk definitely has a lot more creative flair that he can use to it. Uh, on the Tuesday night game, we were playing with Mike and Mike played that monk for a while. Uh, and, and he had a staff and he had a lot of fun trying to incorporate backhand uh, slashes with the staff and, and his own <laughs> his own fighting. He, he, he said, I love that you're cracking yourself up. He, he said it every time. He was saying... Fury of blows instead of flurry of blows, and it's it still plays. It still plays. It plays out well. A fury of, of blows. It was really well, but it, it's like I think I think the idea that I was trying to say here is like with a fighter, you walk up, you swing, you hit, you miss, you do it again. With a monk, it's more artistic, if I may, because you know you see yeah. kung fu fighting and stuff like that. You see these people making these elaborate moves, trying to get into the right position, and with a monk, it's. There's more creativity to it. And then when you get into the role-playing... There's flair. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah, flair, flair. Here. And, and when you get into the role-playing of it, this is when you mm-hmm. can start describing what you're doing. And when you have a player who really enjoys role-playing, they'll get into that. Obviously, I, I try to do it whenever I do a killing blow, but other people will like to just describe their hits at random points. And it's like, good, go for it. Yeah, there's there really is just... I don't know. There's, I, there's I just, too much. There's, there's so much there. There's so much you can do with, with the key points. Well, like I said, we'll get into it in, uh, in a future episode, but, but definitely dive into it. You can feel free to do your own research. There's, there's tons online about, about these different classes and, and, um, 
So, so don't, don't let this, this is just kind of scratching the surface as to what's really out there. So, wow, that, that was that's half and we're we're six classes. And and my God, we've been, we've been going for over 90 minutes talking about, talking about all these, all these different classes and, and we're only halfway there. So, so thank you for, for listening through, through all of this. Uh, We will continue with another episode right after this with the other six classes, which remember are the Paladin, Ranger, Rogue, Sorcerer, Warlock, and Wizard. And we'll, we'll dive into all those as well. And then, you know, like I said, uh, we will in future episodes kind of do a deep dive into, into each of these classes and, and give you some more details on, on some fun, fun stuff you can do with them. We also have an interview coming up with our uh, friend Kat, who uh, we mentioned play the cleric several times. So we're going to dive into her background and her uh, choices about all of her character creation. Yes, it'll it'll be fun to listen to somebody else talk about character creation and and kind of their their thought process on on how they develop characters uh, from the beginning. So hopefully you'll find that interesting, and that that episode should be uh, coming up shortly. So once again, thank you so much for listening. We we look forward to to you joining us on on future episodes. Remember, you can help sponsor sponsor us and and keep us producing these episodes. You can go to legendslootandlore.supercast.com. You can also visit our website and check everything out there, which is www.legendslootandlore.com. So check it out. And thank you so much for listening. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Legends Loot and Lore. We hope you've enjoyed immersing yourself in the realms of legends, uncovering hidden loot, and delving into captivating lore. But the journey doesn't end here. For exclusive content, behind-the-scenes insights, and access to our community, visit legendslootandlore.supercast.com. There you'll be able to support the podcast, where you can join our Discord server for lively discussions and subscriber-only content, and connect with fellow enthusiasts. Stay connected with us on Instagram and Facebook at Legends Loot and Lore to continue on the quest. By following our social media channels, you'll be the first to know about upcoming episodes, bonus content, and exciting announcements. If you've enjoyed your time with us, we kindly ask you to rate and subscribe to this podcast. Your support means the world to us and helps us continue producing captivating episodes and embarking on new quests. Thank you for being a part of our journey. We're thrilled to have you by our side as we unravel the legends, uncover the loot, and delve deeper into the lore. Until next time.